Hello and welcome to episode 66 of uh, Penny Red. My name is Daniel Hodges and today I finally managed to get Jackson Tegu on the uh, show. Hi Jackson, how's it going? It's going very well. Um, today is my um, two month, uh, not an anniversary, what would that be called? Uh, I, I think that anniversary has transcended years now, so we'll go with anniversary. All right, so it's the two two month anniversary of me noticing that I have some weird throat sinus thing going on. So if I sound a little bit off, that's what's going on. I'd get that looked at if it's been two months, but <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's about time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just me, you know. You know, I'm a crazy guy when it comes to this sort of thing. I, I I put that sort of thing in the hands of health professionals, but you know, who am I to say? You'll right, notice right. that I'm, you'll notice that uh, it's the it's not the anniversary of everything, but my face is literally covered with with red spots. There's been uh, mosquitoes like crazy around here at the moment. My daughter plays football, um, and so I'm coaching the team, and so I go out there, and it's just a it's the most horrible experience of my life. It's reinforcing my idea that the outdoors is uh, should be shunned at every available opportunity <laughs> on the grounds that it's almost disrespectful to the thousands and thousands of years that uh, human beings have been evolving to create decent shelter and reliable food sources and stuff like that. We're, we're thumbing our noses at the troubles of, of people in the past. No, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like saying um, to somebody, who's, who, who, somebody from, say, 20,000 years ago who was having trouble getting food was mm -hmm. to come and look at us that go what are you doing there's food all around the place sit down enjoy the food right, take it right. easy you know we're like no no we want to try and do it the way that you did it just because no you fools and like, but anyway we were doing that because we didn't have uh yeah <laughs> it wasn't for fun you know it was a matter of life and death and you guys are just pretending it's fun it's not i can tell you but anyway uh jackson is a game designer who's made uh, lots of cool stuff <clears> along <throat> the way but right now he has a kickstarter which uh which you can go and check out and we're going to sort of make a brief pass at that now and then we'll we'll, uh, we'll roll back later on so uh, tell us a little bit about it jackson and where they, people can go to find out more information so it's um it's called monster hearts second skins right. and it's an expansion to joe mcdowell's fabulous game monster hearts right uh, so over the last year and a half, which is a daunting time period, I oh. have um, been creating these uh, skins, which is in the terminology of the game, sort right, of right. Um, right. additional playbooks. Mm -hmm. um, sure. These playbooks are sort of like, I mean, as any anything, you know, like it's been out for a while, we've had a chance to chew on it, Monster Hearts, I mm. mean... Um, and so these are the second generation things. These are the, the mechanical children of the original. Sure. You know, initial okay. things. Sure. But Monster Hearts itself is, a, is the child of uh, Vincent Baker's Apocalypse World. So maybe for people that aren't sort of uh, familiar with the culture surrounding Apocalypse World and the sort of the hacks that people do towards various um, different ends. Uh, maybe we could start there and we'll, we'll work our way into the specifics of, uh, of second skin. So, um, idea. well, go ahead. You can, you can take the ball from here. You're much more familiar with Apocalypse World than I am for obvious reasons. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's see. Um, so Apocalypse World um, really changed the way I look at uh, tabletop games Right. Um, before encountering Apocalypse World, which is funny because initially I had said that Apocalypse World really wasn't for me. Right. Um, but before encountering Apocalypse World, I was um, really into uh, 
like games that have a sort of peer quality amongst the players that there wouldn't be a GM, that there wouldn't right. be someone, or not even necessarily different roles than one another. Maybe you'd have a special mm. thing you do on your turn. And then yeah. when it's not your turn, you do other things. Sure. Um, but then encountering Apocalypse World, I fell like head over heels for this like idea. Of, oh. <laughs> I know, I know. Your heart was all a flutter. <laughs> yeah, loving the apocalypse. Here's me. Right. Um, just because um, uh, Vincent's so clear with what one is intended to do when providing that sort of like, like it's a type of support to the players. I'm talking about the MC role, the master of ceremonies, which replaces, which is Apocalypse World's uh, game master. Sure. Um, that the way you're supporting by antagonizing the players, just like mm. very specific things to do, like don't help them out in these ways, um, right. give them what they work for, et cetera, et cetera. Like, um, and then there's this, this other thing, which is a very like flashy, sexy thing, which is, um, I'm sure he'll return. Oh, here he is. He's back. Oh, I'm back. Sorry. I wandered <laughs> off there for a moment. It's like Max Headroom for a second there. We were 25 minutes into the future. Just briefly. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so you were saying uh, that the, they, give, um, they give the players certain types, of, uh, certain types of help, but not other types of help to sort of facilitate their journey. Yes, absolutely. And um, then there's also another side to it, which is the... Um, uh, this sort of like sexy thing that um Ooh, sexy mm. oh yeah because <laughs> um you know like as the mcu lay out these playbooks and they mm. look gorgeous there's like the driver the battle babe the brainer mm. and there's these great pictures on them and they're mm. all these like folded nice little pick like things that um the players get to pick up and they're like oh cool i'm gonna be the brainer right, i'm gonna right. be the, this or the that yeah really evocative yeah yeah they're so great and um, just that, uh, like at conventions, you know, mm. um, my uh, friend Ross Kalman, who's also a game designer, he made Serpent's Tooth. Um, sure. He, you know, like he lays these things out and we enjoy, you know, like looking at people who have no idea what's going on coming mm. by and like, you know, they're sort of looking over other people's shoulders being like, what's that? What's, what's about to be played here? Right, right. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, when you get the package, you like open it all up and it's just one sheet of paper, but it's got all the information you need yeah. right there. Yes. Um, sort of like a next generation character sheet, I guess, in a way. Right. Um, and so that, and I mean, I guess at the core of Apocalypse World is this, um, you know, like, so there's the support that the MC has and then there's the playbooks that the mm -hmm. character or the players choose from amongst. Um, and then there's this Socratic dialogue where the MC asks questions like specific guided, maybe, you know, like extremely leading questions to the player. Mm. Right. Um, and the answers form the world so that it's, right. not, it's often not like, cool. Here's the dilapidated mall that I spent three hours making. Mm. It's right, like, yeah, for sure. We're, we're going to whip this stuff up right now together. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that's the like core of what I love about Apocalypse World. Right. Yeah, the, just the idea of involving the players, not only in the genesis of their characters, but giving their characters some places and some really concrete things to, to base the story around, um, but that comes from them rather than, like you say, here's a dilapidated mall, 
um, do you think you might have lived there type stuff, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Because if the person then says, oh, I sort of thought that we'd sort of have like a tree village because trees got all like genetically mutated and they're huge. Mm-hmm. And like everyone else at the table's like, yeah. And if the MC is then like, yes. oh, uh, yeah, let's, uh, how do I scatter? What, notes, a, like? <laughs> what a super idea there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but how about this instead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Something yeah. I prepared earlier. Yeah. And that sort of, that aspect of it, um, going back even in further and i wonder whether you've got an experience with uh it's been a while since i've talked about it but uh but wraith as well and sort of the storyteller games that had that oh, yeah. um that real emphasis on creating you know character backgrounds and creating um uh and creating places and and sort of that that give and take but but not as well implemented right like less specific like that's the the strength of apocalypse world yeah, well, I mean, like, we're, you know, where we are today in 2013 and, like, where Apocalypse mm. World was in, like, 2009, mm. like, we've benefited from, like, so many years of experience since right. games like Wraith or since games. Like, I, I played a little bit more Vampire and Werewolf than right. I did Wraith. But, sure. Um, like, those games in some ways, like, we're blundering around, like, beautifully. Yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, we we all, like, learned how to play ourselves and sort of, like, made it up yes. as we go. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's not so much rules on, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. this type of, like, MC advice that supports the MC in running Apocalypse World, like, mm-hmm. that, it's new. Like, that's new stuff. Yeah. And that yeah. just feels so cool to be like oh cool now we can tweak this end of it and be like yeah this is how you run this other game right um right well let's let's divert um for a moment here then jackson so how did you get started in uh in role playing you just you mentioned you know vampire and werewolf and stuff but how did you uh get started with it altogether well i think the very like the first role playing that i can like put my finger on and be like cool this was role playing um as like like, I, well, I mean, there's that sort of thing where, you know, I've got G.I. Joes, I'm hanging out by a puddle, you know, I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> as you do. Right, as you do. Um, <laughs> then, uh, the, like, the thing that I can first put my finger on is, like, I'm hanging out with my friend Ryan, playing a lot of, like, Super Metroid. Or, like, this is before right. Super Metroid came out, so, like, Metroid, I guess, or Metroid 2. Sure. Um, and just yeah, like, I wasn't much of a Nintendo guy. I assume you're talking about the Met- Metroid, Metroid Prime, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well yeah, before sure. Prime, but yes. And um, sure, yeah, yeah. Like both of us pretending to be that person, Samus Aran, and like mm. right. this is yeah. before the reveal that she was a woman, which was like right, kind of yeah. cool. Yes, um, yes. And uh, yeah, like hanging out on swing sets and pretending we were on flying skateboards and mm. um, looking at the Heroes Unlimited main book and, like, picking right. superpowers out of it, but not yes. really having any, like, desire mm. to sit down with dice or anything like that. Right, right, right. Um, and then from there, I moved. And then my new mm. friends were really into Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. right. Um, which was like, I, I remember feeling really like, whoa, this is really putting the brakes on our creativity. Like what if, yeah, yeah. 
like it's not it's like wait i can't actually shoot giant fireballs yet like Mm, yeah it, it felt very constrained because i had like an an expectation clash about like where i was like what the heck we were doing you know, I thought yes, we were telling yeah. these epic stories and it's actually we were telling these stories of like intense or we were meant to be telling these stories of intense survival. Um, right, right. Yeah, but we didn't really have but, context for not that. Not really and there's no... That's right, yeah. yeah that's, that's the thing and that uh, sort of raises a, another interesting uh, side road which, which is probably more, not more interesting necessarily, but perhaps has got a little bit more traction which is... Um, I've, I've talked about it before, but um, when it comes to uh, to role playing, I mean there are a whole bunch of different axes, but two that I particularly uh, that I've particularly focused on is the axis that goes between you know like simulation at one end, you know like really careful rules for simulating combat and stuff, and then uh, sort of rules that sort of help with telling the story. That's one. That's one one axis, and the other axis that um, that. I've talked about, which sort of, uh, as I'm hoping you'll talk a little bit more about, is how much emotional impact do you want to have from a game? Do you want to, like, finish the game and then go, well, we did some cool stuff there, I'll see you again next Thursday, do you want to, or do you want to be in a situation where you're like, wow, I really need to spend some time processing, you know, what happened with my character and how that, you know, how that made me feel and, and so forth. And, and I could be wrong, but my um, impression um, – of of your games and and of of the role playing I've seen you involved in is you're you're much more towards the emotional impact end than than I am and and maybe uh, does that relate at all to you know those initial games where you had GI Joe jumping in puddles and having a lot less restriction and then going to Dungeons and Dragons and wanting it to be about a struggle and to be about about survival and gaining some sort of emotional um, uh, enjoyment there I suppose that wasn't really facilitated by the game. Oh, Long question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I think, I mean, well, for starters, the I like your axes. Mm. Um, on the axes between the um, the sort of like more intensely emotionally engaged. Yes. And, yeah. And. Um, the more sort of maybe relaxed we could call it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh sure. I mean, you're aware that your characters are maybe feeling this particular way, but um, the but their reaction to it is not mm-hmm. um, is not perhaps as considered as a regular person's would be. You know, like you wouldn't, um, you know, if you're breast bre- bre- what am I talking about? I've got in my mind on breast apparently. Uh, if your best <laughs> friend um, who may have breast, um, if your best friend was killed in the game, say for example. Um, uh, your character would not really spend the time processing that right. in a in the sort of game that I'd be likely to play. But right. in a game that may perhaps appeal to other people, then that would be a big deal and may require a whole bunch of processing, right? Right, right, right. That, I mean, that's a really interesting point that you bring up. Um, I have not encountered a game that really supports that kind of like, like a game that where it's like, okay, it's possible that, you know, one of these characters will die and also, there is like a grief mechanic. Like, yeah, sure. Like yeah, that's, really that, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's um, the that's the far end of that's the that was my kind of like tops top end of the scale. You know, uh-huh. where you, where the game is like all about that type of stuff. You know, if something happens, we're going to go ahead and process it in real time. We're not going to skip ahead. You know, that is the game. We're going to delve right into that that whole business, and the other stuff is not incidental, but it kind of gets us to that 
to that point, and that is the game. Whereas the the fire in the sky, you know, your friend gets hacked to pieces, they roll up a new character, you take them back to town and resurrect them, you know. Right, right. That right. axis. There you go. Yeah, th- see, for me, it's, um, you know, of course, I like I would agree with you, and I'd say I would tend more towards the end of the scale that's, like, more emotionally um, involved. Mm. But it, it's very much like... Um, you know, selecting a movie or something like that, where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if I've had a rough day or something like that, I'm much mm. more likely to play something um, that. Uh, see, for me, it's all about engagement. I'm I'm really interested yes. in having yeah, like yeah. a high participation level. Like I know some people, mm-hmm. um, they're partially there for like the social aspects. They kind of, you know, like they brought their sketchbook or they brought like some other thing that they're working on. Um, mm-hmm. like some craft thing and they're like they want to like hang out and like now and again they want to say what their character is doing right for right. me i want to constantly be like this is cool or like you know like listening to other people and like mm. having my my hands right in there um sure. but in the way of like tone like i'm uh, yeah maybe it's a third axis the engagement right oh definitely the third axis to this thing is, is engagement how much engagement do you want you know do you want to kind of be there to hang out with your friends talk about this make some some jokes or do you want to be kind of like no no table talk at all we're here to play a serious game you know whatever it is whether it's dungeons and dragons or it's you know like or it is apocalypse world or it's you know like murderous ghosts or something like that you know where uh-huh. we you know, on that axis where do we where do we where do we sit yeah i know what you mean exactly yeah 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 the end um yeah, like I was going to say, the in the way of like more chilled out games, which mm-hmm. I mean, chilled out is not actually the right descriptor for this game, but um, um, sure. there's this game Anima Prime, which right. is I, I think of like sort of like the jazz of um, role playing <laughs> games because sure. like there's the the person who's running the game, the GM, who's sort mm-hmm. of like keeping down the beat. Yeah, like. Here we go, here we go. And then all yeah. the other players, in turn, I mean, like, it's not an unfamiliar um, style, but it really is underscored by the way Anima Prime works. All the other players, like, step in as their characters to do a solo. So you got, like, you can imagine this person, like, in actuality, they're playing, like, some sort of gadgeteer who's got, like, you know, a giant wrench, and they're going to be, like, jumping off of this building to try and destroy the steam robot in mm-hmm. the fiction sure. but like you can also imagine them as like some trumpet player stepping up and being doing this wicked solo and everyone's like applauding and screaming and like yo my god that's so good mm-hmm. and then their turns over they step back everyone's like yeah that was super super awesome and then mm-hmm. the i don't know the french horn steps up and everyone sure, just yeah. right loses their mind again right sure so um with with that in mind uh, is there any particular, like, do you feel that that sort of, um, it makes it difficult in that case? And, and whether this, uh, if you're running a game, like if you're running a game that you've been running every week, then, uh, and it's got a certain sort of flavor, it's difficult for you to meet your players where they're at. They've got to kind of anticipate that that's the type of game they're going to play. Whereas if you just had a really terrible day, I mean, the, the stories that you tell can be malleable to a degree, but do you think that that's a case for maybe playing games that are done and dusted within a few hours rather than rather than running on? Or is that sort of incumbent upon the GM to to be um, sensitive to those type of things and try and mold mold a session to try and to try and fit people? Hmm, that's a good question. I feel like um, I mean, I feel like 
it's sort of like a meeting of three in a way that mm -hmm. there's like the player, the, you know, like the person who's sort of like playing the other role, like the GM or facilitator type role. And then mm -hmm. the system as well, you know, like, I'm not going to come into, like you mentioned murderous ghosts. I'm not going to come into murderous ghosts and expect to have like a really relaxed time. Right. You know, right. It's or like, um, you know, there's, uh, even with apocalypse world where it's like once it's established and the ball's rolling you've got a tone and like wow. so we're in session five or in session six or something like this and we've already like set up a whole lot of stuff going on and um you know i, I think part of it is like just as you know being present for like you know if you're hanging out with some friend of yours who's just had like some tragedy happen you know right. even if you had a rough day you get over it fast in order right, yeah sure you know like and so there's like a little bit of that going on with this thing too where you're like cool i've had a rough day but all these other people here i've also got to like attune myself to where they're at right yeah that's yeah that's a that's that's a tough one and i guess that the more people you have the more uh the more of a challenge that's that's going to be but yeah i know no easy answers for that one i don't think jack right right it's hard to meet and, and also i also wonder about um because i've i've read murderous ghosts but i don't I, I just you kind of it's almost the sort of game where you've got to be like can you plan that ahead can you say next week we're going to play murderous ghosts like do you know if you're going to be ready for playing murderous ghosts in, in a week's time you know like do you want to right know? yeah no i mean my i've had i've played it a couple times and um one time i played it in the afternoon with someone who'd not played um like role-playing or story type games before and um it didn't work partially because we weren't ready to be creeped out and partially right. because um like her mindset was very much in the like and by work of course i mean like it, it worked but it didn't we, yeah yeah it didn't, didn't, didn't hit the, the, the notes that you wanted to, to hit or that perhaps was intended to hit right right um whereas i played it one night with orion canning who's a, a friend of mine and a designer here in olympia Sure. And we creeped the heck out of each other. Like it was super scary. You know, it was night. We um, we just had some like very poor lighting, and mm -hmm. we were playing in this like kind of large room, and it was super creepy. And like I was describing stuff that was creeping both of us out, and he was making bad decisions that we were both just yeah. like, "Don't go in. What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Good, but it sounds like you had a good. I mean, looking back on it now, you're smiling about it. So obviously, you know, you it's something that wasn't it was scary but enjoyable, right? Like, oh and, yeah, absolutely. And that's the so you got to be got to be in the right spot. So um, after that little diversion um, regarding um, those three axes, I guess of of play. So you were Dungeons and Dragons wasn't really satisfying you, and then did you sort of suggest, hey, how about we try something different, or did you move on to a different group, or did you take a break and come back? Or well, um, our main group was just let's see um mostly three of us like myself and two other people and um mm -hmm. there's this wonderful thing that happened um that i mean like we did we we dabbled with a bunch of other games we played um some rifts we played some heroes unlimited came back to that actually rolled dice this time rather than just looking at the superpowers right right and um we, we you know we played some werewolf played some vampire um but there's this wonderful thing happened that I mostly blame on the Dungeons and Dragons. But, you know, I think all of, all of that spectrum really had that, which was that it didn't really tell you how to play. It didn't have this sort of thing that, mm. you know, like that I think of like a more 
modern game where like you sit down and it's like this is what you do you mm. know you take turns going around the table or like you have like there, there wasn't any of that right um and so this is something that uh jonathan walton sort of like put into my head where like when um i think of old school gaming you know i, I didn't ever play Redbox box dnd right. so right. i thought of like advanced second edition as like old school that's not old school that's like daydreamy weird role playing mm, that's right, like right. figure it out yourself here's a box you know it says it doesn't really say to play in character but why would you not play in character mm. so there was like these amazing sessions um where like my friend dale and i had this paper route that we shared and so we'd walk the paper route while playing dnd we wouldn't roll any dice we didn't have any books with us. We didn't have our character sheets with us. Mm -hmm. um, and it'd just be the two of us. So it'd be like, he's the main character. I'm DMing or vice versa. And yep. it'd be these incredible court intrigues or we'd be talking ourselves out of like whatever. And that kind of like free flowing narrative improvisation right. is mm -hmm. like one of the cornerstones of what I'm doing today. Like, yes. Yeah, and, and that, do you think that came from the the Jojo in the in the puddle sort of scenario, or is that more a case of everybody's got a game that fits them, and that's the sort of game that you intrinsically would want to play, even if Dungeons and Dragons didn't exist, or any of these sort of uh, forms or systems existed, that would be the type of story that you would enjoy being involved in. Like you prefer this the, the narrow kind of um, mechanic. I think. Well, I think um, there's this thing that happens. This is sort of a roundabout answer. Um, I think there's this thing that happens when um, you, when a person uh, gets access to something. And by that, I mean like that it's around them, that they see it. Mm -hmm. um, in Olympia, where I live, um, there's a whole lot of independent music. And um, the people who play independent music um, aren't... You know, it's like people don't only see musicians on the stage. They see them at the grocery store. There's some really amazing musicians who work at the store that I buy my food at. Right, and sure. So, like, these are, you know, people that are normal. You see normal mm -hmm. people who are incredibly good musicians. And also you see music shows happening at people's houses all the time. So it's really easy for people to either decide, hey, let's have a show at our house. We'll invite right. some people over. We'll have like guitars in the living room. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. um, or it's really easy for to be for people to be like, "Hey, let's start a band." Like right. I can kind of play this recorder. Um, you have a ukulele. We've got a band, and like it's just like really really easy to do that. Sure, it's because they have examples of that happening. So because right. of Dungeons and Dragons, because of like these other games. Initially, I thought that these were like you know, like just impregnable, like holy texts that the, like these books that like, there's no way to understand how they're written. Like how, how is that a short sword is a D six, but then a hand ax is also a D six. It's like, where, like, how am I supposed to weigh all these things? How would I make something like this? Mm. And then like slowly understanding that I already make things like this in the way that like all people make, like, I mean, we make games in order to put away the dishes. Mm -hmm. you know, yep. We make, I mean, they're not maybe super engaging, but they get the job done. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of apps on telephones for exactly that type of thing. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of um, game designers in Olympia right now. And that's because it has become uh, a thing that people do. Like, right. that, that it gets, and like the more people that become, that start doing that, like there's this um, amazing game uh, called Spilt Milk. Right. Now, this game happened because, you know, like I make games, Ross makes games. Ross is really good at telling people about games. We um, make a convention called Fabricated Realities. It's huge. It's a, like totally awesome. Um, and by huge, I don't mean in numbers, but like there's all this art and stuff like that. I could talk about Fabricated Realities a lot, but I won't. Uh, uh, where can people find out more information about this, this con? Just quickly, what's your oh, oh, um, So there is a website called fabricatedrealities.com. Right. Um, this website is currently has a sad message due to the fact that we couldn't find a place to hold it this year because right. we want to give most of the money to artists rather than to rent. Right. Sure. Fair enough. But more okay, information so will be pending. There you go. All right. So uh, fabricatedrealities.com. Um, so Orion comes. Orion learns about game design. He's living with some people. Suddenly, we've got this game called Spilt Milk made by two people who've never made a game before. Right. Um, they're in a relationship with each other. They have a baby. Right. The game is about the two of them. Like, you play the people who made the game. Right. The names are Mel and Clell. And right. then they have a baby named Olive. Right. No one plays the baby, but all of the game is about, like, trying to figure out what to do, how to raise this child. Right. And you have, like, really constrained abilities for, like, how to, like, what you're allowed to say. Like, um, Clell is only allowed to speak in solutions, right. and Mel is only allowed to speak in fears. And so there's this, like, hilarious dynamic where the two don't actually meet up. Right. It's also not a two-player game. It's a six-player game. Okay. Um, each of them, each Mel and Clell also have uh, a sort of an angel and a demon on their shoulder or an angel and a devil. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and so it, it turns into this, it's like, it's just like a ridiculous situation. It's not the kind of game that you want to play like every Wednesday till you die. No, sure. You know, it's be a fun I, diversion. Yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. And like a very strange experience where you're like this, like, cause it's, it's almost voyeuristic. Because it's like mm. these are people who made a game about their di relationship dynamic. Like, yeah, yeah, it's insane. I love it. <laughs> right. So you, um, so in terms of introducing people to different styles of games, so we decided that um, you know what it is that you see around you is what you um, and how you interacted with your personality is what will inform the way you'll deal with it in the future. And right now you're in a, a situation where you've got a lot of synergies with other artists of, of various different uh, stripes, but uh, for your own oh. personal journey. Um, so we had, um, yeah, so like I had that shuffle of, you know, like rifts and all that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. um, then I, um, I think I, I got into other things for years. Right. Yeah. Took a, took a break and, you know, like thought about different types of storytelling. I mean, storytelling has been a strong thread throughout my life that all my interests have, have been in some vein of that. I, um, started writing music, right. playing music, uh, was in a number of bands, that kind of thing. Um, and then I came mm -hmm. back around um, in 
about 2006, I think. Um, I, you know, it's one of those hilarious um, situations where uh, late at night on the computer, I, I think it was, I was remembering a magazine article that I'd read in Infobia magazine, the White Wolf magazine. Right, yep. And um, that Christopher Kubisik, is that how you pronounce his last name? I'm not, I'm not sure. No, I don't know. We'll go with that. Sorry, Christopher, yeah, yeah. if you're listening. I, I love these, um, like, the great honor of, like, not getting information um, in an audio fashion. Mm. You know, like, yeah. to, like, you read it, and then it's just like, yeah, cool. So I read that, you know, like, easily a decade ago. Right. And then I have no idea how to pronounce it it's amazing anyway mm. <laughs> um that guy right that guy a great yeah. guy um, oh super guy i love chris yeah yeah um anyway he wrote this um great series called the interactive toolkit and right. i think i like googled that and then i somehow ended up googling like um you know i was thinking about independent music um and i googled indie rpgs and the world opened up. Suddenly right, right. it became possible in my mind to just make up a role-playing game. It's like, obviously, right. with Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, you know, I'd been, I'd been making up role-playing games in order to play that role-playing game. Right. But, yep, true. you know, I, I didn't know that's what I was doing. Right, right. And then suddenly you see, you know what, There's, I don't have to have this, you know, seriously codified, hard-bound you know, book um, that smells vaguely of cheese and uh, <laughs> I don't have to um, interact with the world in this way and I can go for other things rather than a, a sort of quasi-simulation of what it might be like to be killing things in medieval times, let alone trying to, you know, struggle through getting food and all that. You know, like you can actually make the game that you wanted to play. Exactly, yeah. And um, just as in the way of, like, making the movie I wanted to watch or making the book I wanted to read like taking a step back, I, I like watching a lot of movies. I like reading a lot of books. I don't, I don't want to watch only one or read only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I started making lots of games. Right. And, you know, it, it's sort of like having the, you know, I, I don't want to have the same thing for dinner every night. Right, of course not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what you mean. I mean, some people do, right? Like some people are still playing first edition Dungeons and Dragons to this day, or maybe even Chainmail. I don't know. You know, they found the thing that they that they like. And and, and I wonder. This is a question I've asked before. Do you feel like um, you have a role playing game soulmate, like a game that just fits you perfectly, yeah. or is it a case of you're continuously questing for that perfect game that's that's never quite there? Um, I think. I mean, there's a couple of things there. So yes. one def- one definitely that I, or one thing is that um, I, okay, I'm, this is sounding kind of like uh, douchebaggy in my head, so I'm just going to say it in the most douchebaggy way that I can think of. Um, <laughs> Daniel, I'm really complicated. <laughs> oh, sure, sure you are. Yeah, I've seen your, I've seen your etchings. I've seen your... Uh... Delightfully ironic T-shirts and your yes. uh, your your excellent uh, tea collection and uh, yes. vintage jacket collection. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, 
there, yeah, there, there's not a game that fits me. Um, right. I also have this um, optimization streak that I always want to be like twiddling the knobs. You know, I always want to be like, yeah. should we back off on the way that works a little bit? I know that they wrote it like this and that probably works for them and their group, but yeah. we're in a different context because we've got a different context of play. I say mm. to these other people that I just met. So, true. you know, like, or I mean like very truthfully in Olympia, um, like fun fact, it's very difficult in Olympia to make a scene based game really right. thing. And by that, I mean okay. like, a game that requires a certain number of scenes to be played or like after a scene happens, then the mechanics kick in, then you play another scene, then the mechanics kick in. Right. Um, due to the fact that we take a super long time here. That right, we, sure. We want to like, so it's like, cool, an evening of role-playing will happen and we'll play three scenes or four scenes. And the game's like, we were hoping that you'd play 25 scenes. And we're yeah, like, yeah. We just don't even know how to do that. Yeah, sure. And, and I guess that comes a little bit from what we we're talking about earlier on, where you've got to um, you've got to meet people where they're at, and yeah. and even from day to day, that's there's no game that can that can really do that. So games have to be malleable and, and flexible, and be able to you know absorb that disparity between where the players are at and even where the designer was at in relation to you know where you're at right now. Yeah, and, th- and like that's a really important thing too, is because um, not only are you know like not only do we have lots of desires or lots of like different aspects of our personality that have requirements Mm. um, or like have interests that can be fulfilled or you know like need support in different ways some of which we can get from games right um but we're also changing like we're all on these different trajectories and we're bouncing off of the different things we encounter yeah and so like to say you know that like one day, you know, like at one point I was really into games that would try and be simulationist or try and like reflect a real, like a quote, real vision of the world through this particular lens. Sure. Um, and it's not that I've, you know, better found my way past that. It's that I've just changed that like, yeah, yeah. you know, like my, what I want has changed. is like, I mean, my favorite flavor of chips has changed, you know? Yes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, all, we're constantly changing. We're constantly being affected by our environment, and so you know that quest for the perfect game is never going. You can have the perfect game right there, like you're talking about Murderous Ghost that one evening, like that. I mean, I don't know for sure, but my guess is that's probably the best Murderous Ghosts game you're ever going to play because it was just the right time at the right place with the right person with the right sort of events that occurred leading up to that. And yeah, then, exactly. you know, trying to trying to go back there and get it, you know, like people that are addicted to, to drugs often say that the addiction comes from trying to chase that time that it was that it was perfect the first first time maybe. And that and I don't want to equate uh, games with, with drug use. I mean, say no <laughs> to drugs, kids. But um, if I were, then it would be, you know, like ch- that one perfect where everything came together. You know, that that's often difficult to replicate. My grandfather always, you know, never go back. Um, if something is good in your memory, you know, like never go back. And I don't know if I totally ascribe to that, but um, it, going back and examining it again, you'd never be able to bottle lightning, right? Yeah. And you're never going to be the same person in the same place again. All right, so 2006, you decided you could you could write your own games, and then mm-hmm. Apocalypse World must have come out a couple of years after that. That's true. I mean, a lot of things happened for me in that span. 
Um, right. And I, I don't know if I even really grabbed onto Apocalypse World right at first. That's right, I didn't, because I'd, um, you know, I, I had enjoyed a couple of Vincent Baker's games uh, while other people were running them, like at conventions or something like that. Sure. Um, but when Apocalypse World came out, and it's like, cool, it's post-apocalyptic, I'm like, 100% on board, that sounds great. And it's like, mm-hmm. um, there's unlimited gasoline and bullets. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm interested in like post collapse, you know, like striving to get by, like how much water do we need? We're going to die. I'm going to roll some dice. I died. You're still going to live. How can, you know, like I mechanically help you. Like I was like, that's cool. Oh, this game is about like big hair and leather jackets. Like, yeah, I'm not into it. And then I learned that actually the game is about having big guns and a responsibility to your community. Hmm. That like really, once you play the game, and this is a bit, you know, spoiler alert, I already spoiled it, but like whatever. (laughs) It's a game about repercussions. Yeah. Um, It's a game about, um, you know, like, cool, so you shoot Wisher because he's pissing you off. Wisher has a son. This is not a game about like where the son comes back to try and kill you. I mean, maybe he does, but he's 11. So what right. do you do? Like, right, right. It, it's like really, yeah, I don't know. So some of the like most beautiful instances of play that I've seen, and this is like going back to me being like, you know, getting a lot out of like emotional role playing mm-hmm. is having all the tools arrayed out on the table. And by the tools, I mean, you've got your character sheet full of ways to hurt other characters. Right. And choosing not to hurt the other characters. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that, like, I don't know. There's a kind Same of choice, yeah. where, like, yeah. in another game that doesn't, where we don't have all these, like, big tools to, like, hurt each other, yeah. it's yeah. like, I mean, it's not as important a choice. We're like, cool, our characters didn't hurt each other. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you, I know exactly what you mean. You know, having those, you know, the, the, the game is the choice, right? And yeah. then sort of, like, a little bit like a chess match, figuring out, you know, what's going to happen next as a result of this. I mean, much like real life, but in a, in a sense, um, like you say, big here and guns, but in a sense, it's sort of like a real world, um, you know, co- actions and consequences, sort of not, not I don't want to say training kit, but, you know, like it's, it's fun to, to look at that. And I think that in some yeah. respects, that's one of the reasons why people would find Apocalypse World cathartic because, within the mechanic of the game, you can actually play through some of those things, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that's so that's Apocalypse World. And do you see what I'm doing here, Jackson, right? You Yay. see my, my masterful uh, interviewing skills. We're coming back around to, okay, so then um, people got a hold of Apocalypse World and then um, they started to, started to hack it, change the context, but not the overall um, idea of the... the of what the game's all about, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, masterful. <laughs> yeah, people started looking at Apocalypse World and saying, like, how can I tweak this? How can I tweeze this? How can I make this thing um, into a different thing? And um, Joe McDeldno, <clears throat> you know, a bunch of people started doing this. And uh, Joe McDeldno started making um, this game Monster Hearts. And uh, historically, Monster Hearts sort of started off as Joe saying, 
hey, ha ha, I could do this. And um, a couple of other people, especially Carl Rigney, if I'm correct, um, said, no way, you have to do this. This is a really good idea. I'm going to hold you to it. Start doing it. Hey, how's it going? Hey, have you been working on that thing? Another email later that week, you know, like, how's this coming? Right. I've got I've got a cat interested in my lap here. Hold on. It's not it's not the, it's fine. We're animal friendly on this on this show. Excellent, excellent. So you can stroke the cat Dr. No style and yeah. speak <laughs> in, a, in a villainous voice if you like. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Monster Hearts. Um so Monster Hearts. Uh it's funny when you because you brought up that um the axis between simulation and uh, sort of like story, mm. if you will. And what Joe McDowell does with his games is um, he does something um, that I think is very clever. He simulates not only a genre, but like a type of storytelling. Oh, right, sure. Yep. Um, so like he's interested, um, for example, I'll take a quick aside to mention another game of his, Ribbon Drive, which um, simulates... Pardon me? I'm not familiar with that. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, gosh. Amazing game. Um, so Ribbon Drive simulates um, road trip movies. Um, you know, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Um, Thelma and Louise? Uh, maybe less so, but definitely. <laughs> and, um, you know, actually, I haven't seen Thelma and Louise in so long. Yeah, I just saw but, it the other day, actually. Yeah, it's still, it's still good, for sure. But... Good, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, a little bit. It's sort of a. I, I feel like it's kind of a chick flick more than a. But no, I don't actually, want to sort of pigeonhole it like that because that sort of it, it, it carries negative connotations. What perhaps a, it, it sort of an empowering in in a way uh-huh. um, film for women. I don't want to say um, like somebody's life could be changed by watching Thelma and Louise, but it's a it's a film which involves strong female characters. Um, uh, what's the name of that rule? Uh, where if women have a conversation, if they don't have a conversation in a film that involves a oh, man the, or something, go ahead, you take test. it from me. The, the Bechtel talk. test. Right. Yeah. Wait, what? Stop. I know, I was going to say, so you, you could take it from me because this is more your wicket than mine. Oh, all right. Um, uh, wait, am I talking about the Bechtel yeah. test or what am I talking about? Yeah, yeah the, the, the Bechtel test has, as it relates to um, maybe Thelma and Louise and then Thelma and Louise as it relates back to the uh, the ribbon. Okay, sure. Um, so the Bechtel test is totally is both is both beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. Hmm. Um, it it states uh, so for a it's generally for media for um, a movie to pass the Bechtel test, it has to have more than one female character. Um, the female characters. This is point two. Have to talk to one another, and point three is they have to talk to one another about something other than a man. Right. Like at any point. Right. Once. It right. is so heartbreaking how many movies fail this. And you're like, cool, there are eight dudes talking about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And there's like one token female character. who, like, It's so interesting. And now I, I, I see a movie and I like sort of like wait for the drop as it were, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Wait for the like, it's like, cool. Are we going to get to see another female character? Oh, cool. Oh, there's someone's mom. Oh, but the two of them are just talking about the dude. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so 
that I haven't seen Thelma and Louise notwithstanding, or like seen mm. it in ages and ages, um, I do now recall that Joe has it in the back of the book for Ribbon Drive for um, inspirations. So right. I will reverse my earlier statement and say, yes, Thelma and Louise can be played using Ribbon Drive. Right. Um, and Ribbon Drive... It's a great name, by the way. Oh, um, I will take some small credit for that. I did not design the name, but I threw a bunch of words at Joe. And, sure. um, I, and I will agree with you. He picked a great name. Um, so Ribbon Drive is also a really, really fun game in addition to having cool source material and mm -hmm. having a good name. And um, wonderfully, he has just um, revised it. He didn't change the rules per se, but it's um, much better explained. And it's, um, there was some uh, accessibility issues with the text before. Right. Um, it was laid out in this really gorgeous fashion that was very like magazine-esque. Right. Um, which had like small print over top of pictures mm. uh, and that it has been relayed out to um, make it more accessible to people. Sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's newly out. His website is www dot, which is like the beginning of the website address. Mm -hmm. um, right. And then buried without ceremony dot com. And right. you'll find on there both right. monster hearts and ribbon drive. Right. Um, Trucking back on over to Monster Hearts. Yeah. Um, what Joe is, um, the, the genre is teen paranormal romance. Mm -hmm. And the type of storytelling, um, it's because it's based on Apocalypse World, like Apocalypse World is going to do some things. Um, you know, you've got like a core of like things not working out. That's like an important part of Apocalypse World. And not right. in the way that Fiasco is like, cool, this is about things not working out. Right. This is like, we are navigating things that are not working out right now. Yeah, we're trying to make them work out, right? Right, right. Um, the, some of the MC advice, or uh, like there's this cascading set of like different types of guidance. Um, sure. And some of the guidance is to like make the individual player characters um, feel alienated and left out. Hmm also to make the monsters that are appear in the story seem human and the humans seem monstrous. Right. Um, because this is a game, not about teenager or not about monsters who happen to be teenagers, but teenagers who happen to be monsters. All their problems yes. are teenage problems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, mom's not going to lend you the car so you can go to the party where, you know, like the guy who's super cute, who told mm. you to come to the party is going to be. So right. if you don't get to talk to him, then he's probably going to talk to someone else. And life is <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is going quickly. <laughs> so that, that's sort of where we're going. And of course, so there's room for that, but then there's also room for like, like real reflections of human pain and like, Oh, family life is super hard. Yes. Um, you know, like your sister got injured and she's not going to get better like that. Right. You know, all that sort of stuff. There is room for that in Monster Hearts. And linking now, um, talking one more thing about, about Monster Hearts and then on to um, Second Skins, which is brings us full circle, um, which is that Monster Hearts um, and the types of games that, sorry, the types of shows that are, are mentioned in conjunction with it. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. I, if I recall uh, Ginger Snaps, um, there's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, Twilight, 
Twilight, um, of course, and then those, True Blood. Yes, True Blood, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of those types of shows, all those specifically those shows, um, had a, have a lot of appeal with um, females. And relating it back to what we were talking about before with respect to the Bechdel test, uh-huh. um, can, do you want to tie those up with a bow for us? Sure, sure. So um, in, in my playgroup um, in Olympia, it's, and I mean, I throw a lot of people I play with in Pacific Northwest or whatever, you know, um, maybe it's the company I keep, I don't know. Uh, we have a tendency to play um, across gender or to play um, um, genders that aren't specifically like man or woman. Sure. And um, to uh, play both um, uh, cis people and trans people yeah. um, for, you know, for those people running to their dictionaries, um, cis is a prefix meaning like you were born um, and you were assigned a gender and you're cool with that gender. For example, I am a cis male. Right. Um, trans means you were assigned a gender and that doesn't sit right with you. Right. That's, you know, trans male or what have you. Mm. So um, in that way, it's like really easy to hit that Bechtel test because yeah. we'll have like a, a pretty broad variety of genders mm. um, being represented at the table, whether or not the players are of those genders or not. Yes. Um, maybe that was like diving fully in where I could have like dove halfway in and said, <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, now, we've had an hour here. Uh, to, we, everybody knows where you're at now. All right, all right, right. Yeah, no. There, there's, our, there's our front end. Yeah. Anybody that's not interested has already switched off. It's true. Don't worry about it, Jax. Um, yeah, the... Um, so, Monster Hearts is predominantly a relationship game. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean it's a dating game. It's very much a game about, like, uh, hating people. And like having, um, like wanting to get back at them, and sometimes very, very, very rarely getting back at them means killing them. Whereas in like in most games that is like PvP, you know, like player versus player style, like killing is sort of like the goal. Right, Whereas, right. Um, Monster Hearts is really good at like let's have a really terrible relationship. Um, it's got uh, you know die mechanics. Uh, or, or moves rather um, to like shut someone down and then also to turn someone on. Right. And these, um, you know, like just work together to, and you know, like obviously there's a whole bunch of other things that you do um, yeah. and other ways that you like show that you're bad for one another, but whatever. Yeah. Um, how, how am I doing? How's that? That's 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 perfect, and I was going to um, wonder if the paradox then becomes um, that because the games are all about relationships, you may find uh, women or female characters talking about male characters predominantly. Oh, your, oh I see. your session, your session may may fail the uh, test. Right, right, indeed. So, well, <laughs> it's it's not that they can't; it's that that they, if they only do. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was I was I was sort of joking there. But, oh. um, <laughs> So, Monster Hearts has, um, just like with uh, Apocalypse Guardians, Gunlugger, and 
and uh, heart holder and, 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 and all that sort of thing. Um, what sort of things does um, Monster Hearts have? Um, how did, and how did that inform over a couple of years you putting together second skins? Um, so uh, Joe, as I was saying, is, is really good at um, looking at a genre and type of storytelling and then reflecting that into game mechanics that lets people around the table engage with those same things. Hmm. Um, so he obviously um, selected the werewolf, the vampire. Um, there's a skin called, uh, so skin, as I was saying, is the terminology for playbook. Um, there's a skin called the mortal, which is the like Bella style, you know, like, I love you. Oh, right. wait, no, actually, I love you. Um, there's the fae. Uh, which is, you know, like a fairy type who, like, tries to get promises out of people. Um, and all of these are, you know, just like Joe has very carefully taken the source material and encoded it into these, like, gorgeous moves that just, like, hum. We're like, this is so clearly how this character would behave. Oh. Um, and I'm just not that good at looking at things and then turning them into other things. Like there's right. some sort of alchemy there that I lack, right. um, but I am really good at dreaming up stuff that is new. Right. Um, so, I mean, I took a look at sort of the, the footprint that the original skins um, took up um, right. and saw that there's a lot of room around it. Um, right. Over... Um, when before Monster Hearts came out, um, Joe and I were um, talking about um, you know the skins and stuff like that, and uh, I was saying that I'd like to to like to make a couple, and he was like, "Oh, what what would you make?" And I was like, "Oh, I was thinking of making like an aquatic skin, like you know, like a mermaid type, or right. maybe a selkie." And he's like, right. "Oh, okay, uh, yeah, there, that's a great idea. There's totally room for that." And so I ended up making the Selkie and he helped me a lot and it uh, turned out beautifully. And yep. um, so the Selkie, I've, and I've updated it as well, actually, over the last, um, you know, like we've been playing with that a lot over the last couple years or what have you. Right. And um, over the last year and a bit. And uh, it's sort of like there's been some spots that obviously needed to change. So um updated that as well. And that's actually on my Kickstarter page. There's a free download of that. Um, you just, you just stole my segue for later on, but, but oh, go sorry. ahead. So, but sorry, if you sorry. go to, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm crafting an interview here and just okay. stamping all over my, all over my, uh, my point, my points here. My, my, uh, so yeah. So yeah, if you, when you go to, we'll talk about it a little bit in a minute here. Um, but uh -huh. uh, yeah, when you go to Kickstarter, you can find uh, Jackson Selkie, which you can use, in conjunction with your monster heart you've got going right now. But uh, also there are some other monster hearts. So you made the Selkie and then? And then I couldn't stop. So <laughs> I, um, I just kept rolling. And um, a lot of the skins that I made sort of started off not as their monster aspect, but as their teenager aspect. Right, right. And it's like this thing of where you're like, there's someone who's very quiet who doesn't really want to be here. And they don't even really want to be anywhere. Hmm. Who are they? They are the Sasquatch. Right. Of course, they blur out of photos, they et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
the oh man. So there's another thing I want to talk about too, which is that where we put little slices of ourselves into the characters that we play. Yeah. So it will not be surprising to you if you sit down to play a game of Monster Hearts and you're like, I kind of want to play this one, not because it would be a step outside what I would normally play. You know, like where you sit down to play um, Dungeons & Dragons and you're like, cool, I'm going to be a ranger. I never go into the woods, but it seems really cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, sweet, I'm going to play Apocalypse World. I'm going to be the brainer myself. I'm not a psychic, but hey, that sounds really cool. Um, Where you sit down to play Monster Hearts and you're like, I am recognizing that I'm a little bit manipulative. I know that about myself. And I kind of want to keep an eye on everything going on. And I only respond to things after someone else has responded to them because I want to get on their good side. Mm. And I'm not going to just tell everybody that. But I see this skin, one of the second skins, Mm -hmm. called the worm. So maybe you pick that one up just because you're like, it's actually a little bit too close to home. So how can I turn it down? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, well, let's see all these characters we've got here. We've got this one. The worm, sure, I'll give the worm a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> what can I, what randomly uh, selected character can I choose? Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And there are, there are six, though, right? There are six, all told. Um, two of them, ha- their names have not been publicly released because I am very bad at actually telling secrets. Um, it people have to you, pull them out. You're inclined to tell secrets, or you, you're disinclined to tell secrets. I'm disinclined. I'm di- oh, and I'm yeah. also disinclined to tell anything. So I'm <laughs> impressed with. Buy it. Just buy it. Just why? Let's, 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 let's push it now. Let's buy it. Just go. Just go buy it. So so let's talk about where people can find it and what oh, they're yes. going to pay and what they're going to get. Oh wait. Well, let me let me tell you the two other ones. Okay. So there's two oh, other okay. ones that are, that are released. So that are actually okay. whose names are available. So. Uh, we have, um, as I was saying, the Sasquatch, also the worm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we have uh, the unicorn. Now, right. when we imagine a unicorn, um, this is not. Uh, we're, we're not actually. This is not going to be a horse because, in the genre, I mean, similarly, the worm is not actually a dragon. Right. In the genre of, um, you know, teen paranormal romance, we've got these like ideas of who these people are. Right. But they are not the absolute personifications of this thing. You know, like right. the lighting and the color of a person's hair and the way their eyes are sort of like crappily CGI'd is going to tell you like who they are. Right, right, right. So, um, the unicorn is the teenager or the person really who is trying really hard to help and like be a good person, but they are extremely self-judgmental right. and they just can't do enough. And other people must think that they're letting them down and they're just like really concerned what other people think. Right. Um, and they have a lot of moves that like are really helpful. Um, but it's, it's a big tragedy. It's just a big tragedy. Yeah, and and I'm not sure if we've explicitly come out and said it, but uh, moves um, are like, for example, if you were to relate it to say um, Dungeons Dragons 3.5, like you've got cleave and sunder and all that type of stuff. Right? These are specific things which your character can do based upon who they are, right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's very similar in that way, and um, 
they, uh, some of them make you roll dice and you sort of bump into them. It's this wonderful thing of where, um, like there's basic moves that everybody has such as, um, in monster hearts, when you run away right, or when you turn someone on and where, you know, like I'm describing my character, like, um, talking all tough and, uh, sort of like positioning himself. So there is definitely the option of like, all right, in this posturing, like I'm about to take a swing at him, but maybe I'm actually not about to take a swing at him. Maybe I'm just like being really cool. And so oh. the MC says, are you trying to turn him on? And I can say, yeah, I guess I sort of am. Yeah. I'm just being like super cool. Right. Um, so then I roll dice and maybe the dice say that like the other character is turned on and then they get to choose what they do with that. Like the dice don't force them to behave in any particular way. Um, right. But uh, they, so yeah, that's sort of how a move works is like right. you bump into it in the fiction. Um, right. And some of the, um, some of the moves don't call for dice. Um, for example, uh, the Sasquatch has one um, and it's triggers when you hold someone close. Right. So that'll happen sometimes. And then right, sure. when, when that happens in the story, Boom. And like, right. you know, you can hold someone close when you're trying to like save them from drowning. You can hold someone close when you're having like this, like really intimate moment in the locker room. You can hold mm. someone close when you're like trying to prevent them from like kicking down the doors to uh, whatever. Right. Can you also trigger a negative respect? Like you're trying to restrain somebody from doing something. Does it oh. automatically trigger? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Whenever the, um, uh, one of the like apocalypse world and apocalypse world hack uh, truisms is yep. um, to do it, do it. And when you do it, you do it. Right, right, right. Which is to say, yes. It yeah, yeah. Bad stuff will happen as well as a result. Yeah, good. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then the final of the four skins that I'm mentioning the names of yep. is the cuckoo. Yep. Now, a cuckoo is. A, a type of bird that lays its eggs in the nests of other birds. And then it lets those other birds raise up their young. Um, and the young cuckoos um, position themselves in such a way that they get most of the food. They don't share. Sometimes they physically kick the other nestlings out mm. of the nest. Yeah. So that's kind of like not a nice person. No. Uh, the the cuckoo skin um, allows you to appear like other people do, rather like specific other people, um, right. and you do that by getting by stealing their clothes, right? Which opens the door to all kinds of fun hijinks about clothes <laughs> shenanigans. Yes, exactly so. Um, and then they've got a bunch of awesome moves to support that and define sort of like the boundaries of what happens when you look like someone else. Right. Excellent. And uh, and there are two others, which uh, Jackson's not going to tell us about. You can go and check them out. So let's talk specifically about the Kickstarter, and then uh, and then that'll do for us. So uh, if you want to find out uh, more about the Kickstarter, you can go ahead and uh, to go just go to kickstarter.com and put in a search in for uh, Monster Hearts Second Skins, or even just Monster Hearts may uh, bring you to it. But you'll know you're on the right page because it'll say Monster Hearts Second Skins by, uh, by Jackson Tegu. 
And there's a really brilliant, I got to say, um, a brilliant, uh, the brilliant video that goes with it. Hopefully by now, if you've, uh, you've listened to this enough, you'll know that uh, Jackson's a, a, uh, is a funny chap. And uh, yeah, as, when I watched that video the first time, I'm like, wow, that's so close to the line of somebody imagining that you're being serious. That's, yes. did, did, you have, did you have to fiddle with it a bit when you put that together? Because that's part of it. In order to be able to get a project on Kickstarter, you have to film uh film is it you specifically yourself or you have to film um something right well they in fact they they let you start without a video like if you really want oh, to yeah. kick it off without a video you can um sure. but they strongly recommend and all the the research that i read and did said you really need a video yeah do a video. um and i had a pretty like i did just did a little like a rough draft video mm-hmm. and um some of the feedback that i got was like uh, hey, this is too long um, by half. It's like four minutes long. This needs to be right. way shorter. Um, so, this needs to, like, don't talk about all the stuff that you talk about below. Just, like, tell us to yeah. look at it below. Um, and I was like, okay, right, that's a good point. Um, so what am I going to do to engage people visually? Mm. Um, so this is what we came up with. <laughs> That's um, genius. You've got to, you have to, you have to watch the videos for me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, of course, that line, that very careful line that we mm. step right next to. Yeah, that's great. That's just, that's just me hanging out. I'm just, it was really off the cuff. We barely did any production for that. <laughs> I'm just a cool guy that regularly hangs around in a, in a, in a gold embossed shirt with a Britain black looking mysterious. That's just oh, my okay. general everyday uh, look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so you uh, do a search for um, go to um, Kickstarter, do a search for Monster Hearts uh, Second Skins. Um, you can pledge um, as little as a dollar, um, and uh, it looks like it's going pretty well. But don't uh, don't don't miss out. Um, so for the first layer, the top layer, um, do you want to talk us through these uh, what people will get for their uh, money, Jackson, or speak about it in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the so I'm sort of doing four things at the same time. Um, the first is, um, the, the, the monster heart second skins themselves. Yep. Um, and the second is a, a collection of insights and, um, MC advice and variations to monster hearts that, uh, myself and other people in my community, like we've been playing this game, we've been playtesting these skins. We've been like, just like loving this game so much. Um, and because we're all sort of like little knob twiddlers, uh, we're like, this, I mean, this would actually be cool. What if, what if we did this instead? We could do this. Um, so we've got like a bunch of these ideas. Um, wow. A lot of those are stretch goal material. And mm-hmm. I'm fingers crossed that we're going to be like powering into that. But we're mm-hmm. only a third of the way through the time of the Kickstarter yep. um, uh, as of this recording. So I think that we're, we're well placed to, to hit at least a couple of those. Yeah, 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 I would think so, yeah. Um, so then the, the third thing I'm doing is a print version of um, the second skins. Right. Um, there's a, uh, letter ha- a letterpress um, studio that I've uh, done a little bit of work with, and they're, like, super, super wonderful. And so right. we'll be um, pressing a, uh, you know, a, a folder... Um, yep. that's half sized and uh Joe did a bunch of these for his original um Monster Hearts campaign. He didn't letter press them, he hand stenciled them. Um, right. 
And when he was initially talking about them, I was like, really? Folders? I don't know. Um, but I got one from his mm. uh, Kickstarter, and then I I just use it all the time. Like, it's right. totally awesome. It fits the skins perfectly. It looks, like, as I was saying, it's that, like, sexy look where you're just, like, putting mm, it on. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. added value. Like, you're there's something special going on here, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount of theatricalness that goes along with it is always, I think, is always valuable. Uh-huh. Um, and so then, and then the last of the four things is the print version of the insights and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so how this breaks down into uh, the tiers on the top mm-hmm. tier that uh, we've got um, uh, for seven dollars a just the straight up the six skins with a little bit of MC advice, mm-hmm. um, you know, like no frills. Here you go, PDF, awesome. Right. Um, next up. We've got um, that all that MC advice, those skins, plus also um, you have been, and many of you listening from the comfort of your home or vehicles have been able to ascertain that, um, or work, wherever the heck you are, um, that I am somewhat of a silly guy. This is a true thing. Good job. Thumbs up for you for recognizing that. Um, I, in addition to making the six second skins, I've also made nine joke skins. Now, these are ridiculous skins that, you know, like the move, like, I mean, they've got full moves. They don't have pictures. They don't have play advice on the back. Um, But other than that, they are, like, complete. They're not playable in a regular game of Monster Hearts, but you can certainly play them with each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're goofy. They're very evocative. Um, The moves are, like, the kind of thing that, like, Either they totally work and they're amazing moves, and it's like funny that I put them on these jokes rather than a real skin, or they are like terribly unbalanced, mm. or they don't actually trigger or do anything. You know, it's like this. It's these kind of like, true, yeah. And I love this kind. It's like, um, it's like comedy role playing games. That's not mm. a game. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a weird genre of comedy. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. So that's a part of the second tier as a PDF of those guys. And then also um, the PDF of all of the insights, the MC advice, the variations, all that sort of stuff. And then like whatever other things open up uh, over yep. the course of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, we've got uh, the next tier is the first physical tier. And that's right. going to land you... Um, not only the folder that's letterpress, it'll be like a wine-colored half-sized folder. Sure. Um, letterpress with the Monster Hearts logo. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll have like print-offs of the six-second skins, all the joke skins, and I'll throw the Selkie in there as well. Sure, nice. Um, so that's going to be like a fun package. And then you'll mm-hmm. also get all the PDFs and stuff. Yep, yep, of course. Um, for uh, the next tier under that, uh, we've got... Um, in addition to all of the above, a um, this this cat is just so intrigued by the uh, <laughs> the the tears that I'm describing. She just wants to <laughs> crow about how excited she is. Um, That's good taste. Oh well, thank you very much. We we try to raise her well. Um, <laughs> the uh, so then there's also the book version, the print version of the um, the MC advice, the insights, and the variations. Um, above that, we get silly. So right. I've got one called This is Ridiculous, where um, I will get one of the uh, the models who are I'm taking photos of 
um, that Joe will like turn into the artwork for the second what? series. And oh. I'll have them personally read your copy of the second skin with their picture on it aloud nice. to no nice. one or to me or to someone else who's there. <laughs> and nice. Sign it, not with their own name, but with some other name that I tell yeah. them to sign it with. Sure. Sure. Um, and then I'll also get them a, a dyed uh, skin. No, 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 that's disgusting. A dyed skin. Not string. someone's actual skin. Yeah, skin. A string, yeah. yes. Um, a a hand-dyed cotton string. Um, so this is obviously for the discerning collector. Uh, yes. I've got... Obviously. Yeah, I mean, please. Uh, I've got four fabulous colors that it will be available in. Off the top of my head, let's see. They are denim, butterscotch, terracotta, and... Moss is the last one? No, it's not moss. It's it's a green color. It, it's a secret. It's a secret. Um, that's right. If which, you get one, you'll know. That's correct. That's correct. Or if you scroll down far enough on the Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, pardon me. Pardon me. <laughs> um, and then, um, so then we've gotten silly. Now we're getting serious again. So um, of the things that I like doing, um, one of them is visual art. And I like, um, I like making zines. I've been making zines for a long time. Um, and these particular zines, which of course the word shortens from magazine, yep. um, will be eight pages long. They'll be half-sized folded over. Um, and what's going to be happening here is that I'm going to make one specifically for that particular backer. Right. Um, nice. And it will be like some extremely visual, like bizarre conglomeration of images. And what I'll do is um, we will have a little interaction, that backer and I. Um, right. They will send me a copy of one of the, the second skins that they have filled out and made a character from. Right. Not a character they've right. played, just like a new character. Sure. And yep. um, then they will... This cat is just so excited. Is this? Are you picking up this cat? <laughs> I, I, I am. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I can, I can sense the, the tension in his, in his voice and the excitement, yes. Yeah, yeah, just like frantically loving this concept. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, yes, yes, the backer sends me this skin. Yep. Um, then I take on the role of that skin. And I right. make a zine as if I were that poor teenager, that teenager monster, nice. um, who has many more years than that teenager has in the way of experience in making yep. zines, bizarrely, but here we go. Yes. And um, just, I, I whip up something totally gorgeous, um, make some copies, one for me, one for the backer, and yep. off it goes in the mail. So then we have um, a, a tier that is fulfilled, which has to do with me sending all the, um, the scribbled notes and the, the details behind the skins that I didn't make and like all that stuff off to nice. um, one lucky backer. And nice. then um, uh, Daniel, you and I had a very good time down at Big Bad Con this last year. We did. We had a fabulous time. I believe you were my mother. I believe that's true. And you were, <laughs> you were a very, um, there's an exact word that I'm looking for uh, to describe how you behaved as my son. You were heady. You were self-assured. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you brought we played. We played in Luke, Luke Crane's uh, uh, Viking funeral LARP called Inheritance, and uh, my character was the son of uh, of uh, Jackson's character. That's what yes, and it was very good. 
Um, and so anyway, we had a great time playing that game. We had a great time at Big Bad Con. Yes. I'm interested in coming back. Yes. Um, doing so um, is an interesting financial question for me because that is, that's quite a distance for me to travel yes. and where I'm situated these days. Um, so at, uh, I was advised to bake that into this Kickstarter. So the next go. two tiers both reflect onto my ability to go to Big Bad Con. Um, right. And both of them have me creating a um, specific scenario that I would uh, run at Big Bad Con. Nice. One of which is called um, Grandma's House, and it will be a incredible bloodbath. It's going to be... <laughs> As every trip to Grandma's House should be. It, I mean, really, it's... Because Big Bad Con gets its name from the Big Bad Wolf, and so here yes. I am tapping into that mythology. Um, and then um, the the next tier above that is the other half of me getting to... Um, or the other half of my expenses being covered heading down to Big Bad Con. And th then I make a scenario called Little Reds, and that's the, the like, uncertain summer love... You know, like lots of you know eye contact and looking away. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like Monster Hearts does both of these things very beautifully, and uh, right. I mean they're great when they're mashed up together. Um, and of course, both of those games would have a little of the other. But yes, um, I'm I'm pretty excited about upfront blood or uh, or coquettish uh, teenage uh, dalliances romance. Yes. yes. Sort of yeah, so um, that, that rounds out my kind of long-winded but extremely informative tour of the tiers on my Kickstarter page. Excellent. Is there anything you'd like to, else you'd like to share with us about the Kickstarter other than go ahead and uh, back it? Um, they, so I've got a little uh, dramatic video, um, which is about a minute yes. long, which yes. um, I think is also worth your time. And um, Yes, yeah, maybe maybe that's really all the details. If if you have any questions, I'd I'd love to hear back from you. Oh oh, right. um, potential uh, backers, like do um, do ask yes. those questions of me. Yeah, yeah. There's a little button you can click on the on the Kickstarter page there, which will uh, bring you into direct contact with Jackson mm -hmm. Tigger himself. Mm -hmm. He's he's waiting feverishly by the phone right now, ready to answer <laughs> your question. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe he's out there with his cat, but. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So he's got his he's got a script ready to to get you to get you on the hook. Well, uh, I think that uh, does it for uh, Penny Red for this week, Jackson. Thanks very much for stopping by. We didn't get to any of the uh, the questions, so if you're interested, we'll uh, get you back another day and you can answer some of those questions that are uh, still on the lips of every one of the Penny Red listeners. Yes, yes, I would very much like to. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been uh, lovely talking with you. I, initially, I was um, concerned, not due to. Um, talking with you in particular, Daniel, but just the, the wonders of um, broadcast. But this has been really fun. So thank you so much. You are most welcome. And until next week, everybody, keep talking the walk. <laughs>